The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 160. Oi! Don't be scared. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Ta-da! Ooh. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series of Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the latest new episode from the latest season of Doctor Who called Orphan 55. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks, and great to have you back. Glad to be back. And uh, Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy. I never left. <laughs> Jimmy is steady as the rain. He's, he's here. So let's talk about this episode. This is uh, Orphan. It's called Orphan 55. It features the, the 13th Doctor. It's the second story from the latest season that we're in now, the, the, the 12th season of the new who and it's the second of the uh, 13th doctor's seasons and it features well uh, a visit to a spa which is relaxing and calming and lots of fun right just uh, like the leisure hive <laughs> exactly yeah uh, well there's a lot of things that i had to that, that that i could compare this episode to uh oh yeah it's alien meets aliens meets planet of the apes uh meets yep. uh actually i kind of thought of it as a lot like um H.G. Wells' Time Machine with the Eloy okay, and the Mollocks. Sure. Uh, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a bit of that in there. Um, what it is is, and you know, I don't know, do you, want to, do you want to talk about the episode itself first or do you want to talk about what you think of it first? Oh, let's give, let's not, let's not uh, leave <laughs> people hanging. This episode was terrible. It was a stinker. This, well, <laughs> yeah. this, I mean, this literally went from probably one of the heights of at least Jody Whitaker's time as the sure. doctor Last week, with yep. Spyfall yep. to. Probably the lowest of the lowest. This is the worst. time as yeah. a doctor. Yeah, I mean, this was bad. I, I didn't. I I didn't think it started bad. Yes. I think it got. It no. started fine, and mm-hmm. then it got progressively worse, and it just like started taking a total nosedive towards right. the end. It, I, it's I, not I, will, just... I will say this: Graham was a Graham was a highlight in this episode. I liked Graham oh, in this yeah. episode. Graham is always the but... best thing in this uh, <laughs> right now, but the. It's not just the PC preachiness, the excessive PC preachiness at the very end. That's not that's not even the the that's just yeah. the capper. And they really set a new standard for that. I mean, this oh, is yeah. uh, no matter how you th- preachy you think they've been in the past, this sets a new standard. I mean, this this doesn't even t- yeah. Well, we'll get to that, but but <laughs> it's the you know if if we th- if we call Doctor Who running through corridors, you know if that's that's sort of the yeah. the joke. It's Doctor Who's running through corridors. But this was really just running through quarters. The plot was a mess. We had an excess of secondary, you know, guest characters who never got really developed, who were kind of just thrown away, almost literally. And, and frankly, were annoying in some right. cases. Annoying or or just as like the, all these nuggets of potential stories that never get developed. So we there's a lot wrong with this. So we should probably get into it and talk about the episode. 
Okay. So, so Jim, let's let's mention the title first. Um right. and the spoilers ahoy everybody. Yeah. Well, um so yeah. Orphan 55 is a planet. It's an orphan planet. It's apparently the 55th orphan planet according to some numbering system. And an orphan planet is one we're told where which has been abandoned because it's too toxic for life. And yes. there's always some ruling mm-hmm. elite that evacuates and goes elsewhere and then they leave everybody else to die. And that's happened on this planet. And that's where this spa is located in a right. protective dome so that people can have what's called a fake-cation. Um, right. They go to a, a simulated environment that looks like they're on a beautiful planet when really they're not. They're just in a, in a, in a big holodeck. Right. Which, which usually is placed in the middle of a city, but this one is placed on this uh, remote Deserted planet. planet. Yeah, because the plan is make a bunch of money with the fake-cations and then terraform Orphan 55 back to being livable. Right, which if you could do that, why wouldn't you have done it already? Never mind. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> one, of the, one of the loose plot holes uh, in this episode. So we start with the doctor and, and the fam uh, cleaning up a giant tentacle in the TARDIS control room. Um, which is a, a, a fun little open. I mean, this is yep. I like mm-hmm. when they sort of open with a reference to some sort of thing that just happened, some adventure, some story that just happened, and we get a like, little hint of it. I like the fact they're mopping. I mean, they have mops, and yeah. they are mopping yeah. up the TARDIS. And it's right. like, you, you, you know, how does that get taken care of? The TARDIS is going to get dirty over time. How, do the, how does it get cleaned up? And the doctor makes some comment about, sorry, fam, I didn't know it was their mating season. And <laughs> yeah. that's actually could explain why they have a tentacle there, because <laughs> octopuses... Male octopuses have a special tentacle that they use, and sometimes they <laughs> they rip it off and present it to the female. <laughs> so maybe that happened here. I don't know. Uh, that's uh, space cephalopods with their weird mating habits. Uh, so uh, actually, I want to step back a sec. Uh, I realize in the open, we don't see the TARDIS in the opening credits uh, anymore. We used to, didn't no. we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We'd time. see it flying yeah. down the time corridor. Okay. So I realize that. And at there's least, no cold during, open. During New Who, it's all, you've, it was always a part of the intro. Right, right. In New Until right. Jodie Wicker. Okay. And then, we, and then we had no cold open, so it opens with this tentacle. And then Graham comes running in. And I'm sorry, I watched, I rewound this and watched it three times. I could not understand what he was actually saying in his mm-hmm. accent. But something about he collected coupons from a coffee machine somewhere else in the TARDIS. That yes. qualified him yeah. for a free holiday at Tranquility Spa or, yeah, Tranquility yeah. Spa. Um, right. I, I'm just going to, yeah. Also, the fam notices the, and comments on the doctor's been in a bad mood, and that's because she's just learned Gallifrey has been mastered and uh, hasn't shared that with them yet. Right, right. right. We're, still, we're still dealing with the, that bit, but we don't advance that storyline at all. Um, I'm going to say... Any holiday that you get, any vacation that you earn by get, collecting coupons from a coffee machine, it's going to be yeah. low quality to begin with. So let's just, you know, yeah, stipulate this right. is your own fault. So he... Uh, especially, if, especially if it's only collecting six coupons. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a cube. He assembles them into a cube, apparently, and the, the, it, he doesn't realize it's a teleport machine. Uh, he does and, get... A, go ahead. And that harks back way back to the war games in the second mm-hmm. doctor's time where he builds the little cube that teleports to communicate oh, with the time right. lords or whatever, or right. otherwise communicates with them. That's right. That's right. Forgot and uh, I do think Garen gets a good line here uh, where the doctor warns him, oh, we've got four seconds now before we get teleported. And he says, oh, I got to go fetch my, my, my speedos before we go to the spa. And he's like, oh, just kidding. 
I'm already got him on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah everybody, everybody else is just repulsed. Everybody cringes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. That was a funny line. And then uh, we get to the 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 spa, and they meet uh, hyphen with a three, which is apparently it's H Y P three N P H three N. H Y P H three N. Yeah. Yeah. She's apparently some sort of leet uh, Twitter person. Leet hacker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and she's Squirrel Girl from Marvel Comics. Yes, exactly. She's a squirrel person. Uh, and she's their vacation coordinator. I thought the spa seemed a bit austere, if, if from my point of view, mm-hmm. that didn't seem much like yeah. much of a. a spa. I, I wonder if that was an act, if that's an actual like architectural spot. I was I wasn't able to look it up, but it it's, looks like something yeah. where it's probably like a museum of art or something like that that they used. Yeah, yeah, that is a yeah, that is some sort of yeah real world location, probably in Spain because they often do, or maybe in South mm-hmm. a- South Africa, which is where they film Spyfall. So maybe they. Picked right. up some locations mm. down there. I I thought that we had a little bit of informed attributes with the environment going on. Everyone's talking yep. about how gorgeous it is, and I'm going. Mm, All I, I know, maybe those... it's just because I live in Southern California, but I can imagine better. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. kind of. I was kind of. Yeah, yeah. You just saw some strange building with you know nice looking scenery, but yeah. I saw yeah. the beach, and it's it's midwinter here, so. Father Crow, yeah. you oh, just came back from San Diego. I so just you came know. back from San Diego, meeting Jimmy in person. By the way, that worked. Out. Glad we could do that. But uh, yeah, it's much yeah. more beautiful down there right now than it is here, cold and snow. Um. <laughs> so, so we get informed, or we see that something happens to the teleport uh, console that they just appeared on. That uh, sounds like a system virus, but the, the the we have the security staff also saying that there's not just a virus, but a physical breach. Um, so what would happen is that someone is sabotaging their their security systems that allows the native uh, fauna of the planet to get inside the dome. And it's very dangerous fauna, uh, apparently. Yeah. And so we're off onto our base under siege story. Right. Yep. Exactly. Uh, which we've seen many, many times on Doctor Who over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have Yaz encounters this couple, this old, old elderly couple who apparently have been together for 46 years, but never decided to get married until this very moment uh, as Yaz shows up. Uh, and the guy has an oxygen tank. I mean, right, he's, yeah. carry, he's got what, a little nose plug and an oxygen tank. and Like I'm a 20th like, century one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, guys, artificial lungs? I mean, uh, what's up with this? I mean, or, later on, they yeah. themselves are wearing o- oxygen tanks that are more sci-fi than this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it, in fact, almost... Well, well, this couple at least feels like they were plucked out of the 21st century. There's nothing about yeah. these people that says anything sci-fi about them. They're just off the street in they're London. Clo- their clothes in look like somebody you could see walking down the street. They're, yeah. The dress, their talk, everything about them is yeah. early 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Uh, Ryan gets infected with the this virus that they're talking about. It's called a hopper virus because yep. it's multi-platform. It can go from machine to living being. <laughs> Uh, I liked that. I thought that yeah. was a clever concept yeah. because there are viruses that are multi-platform in the electronic world. Right. right. So they can adapt themselves from one operating system to another. But in fact, that was one of the big criticisms of Java when it first came out was that right. it would enable multi-platform viruses. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like the sci-fi extension of that into, OK, now now it can go biological, too. And of course, the doctor has this ridiculous cure for the virus. You have to uh, suck your thumb and to get until the hallucinations stop. And then, and then he's sucking his thumb and waving at bats that only he can see. Yeah, that was that was fun. 
It, it was it was nice. She like pinches yep. his ear and holds a bag up to his mouth, and now you're gonna sneeze, and he sneezes out the virus into the bag. <laughs> right, and it's like suck your thumb until the hallucinations stop. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then he starts chatting up this other girl. We find her, her name is Bella, uh, who also apparently has the virus. Meanwhile, the, the the security alarm is going off, telling the guests to all gather for a drill at, at uh, this one location. I guess at, around the at, teleport. Well, they it's different. Um, depending on what part of the leisure hive you're in, it tells you to go to a different muster station over the announcements. Yep. Oh, okay. And so it's like, depending on where you are, you go to the safe zone. And this is actually... Um, Something I I haven't ever stayed at a spa really, but mm -hmm. I have been on um, cruises, Cruise yep. you know, because right. Catholic Answers is put on cruises for its uh, for its patrons, and um and the first thing they do when you get on the ship is you have a lifeboat drill and mm -hmm. you have a lifeboat station if anything starts to go. Well, if if the ship starts to go down, you head to your lifeboat muster station to get on the lifeboat that you're designated to get on. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this muster station concept, it, it I don't know if they use it in spas, but they certainly do use it in cruises. Right. Yeah, I don't don't I think a lot of times, you know, most hotels and spas and things like that just have, you know, if there's a fire, here's the doors you use to get out of the place. You right. Know, yeah. type of deal. right. That sort of thing. Yes. Uh, so but with teleports, it's kind of like a lifeboat. So yeah, I true. guess maybe you have to go there, especially on a in, in a place where you're in a dome on a uh, hostile alien planet. So exactly. the the doctor man manages to find the security office, which is disguised as a linen closet. Um, I'm not sure why that would as be, you do as you do. Oh, uh, yes, and uh, the she she finds out that the the head of the security, who's apparently the head of the spa, this um. What's your name? Uh, Kane. 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 Uh, and this is a callback to the movie Alien because Kane in Alien is John Hurt's character who gets the chestburster. Oh, okay. Oh. I thought that might be a reference to the Kane mutiny, and but maybe not. Hmm. Uh, maybe it's probably that. Actually, is probably more likely because there are some other names in here that might also be related. Anyway, Kane is the head of the security, but also the head of the the resort. Apparently, uh, yep. there are. There's like three employees of the entire resort, but there's only 23 guests. It's a very small resort. And uh, she and the other security guy are tracking the, this incursion of these big monster with teeth. Now, I have to tell you, uh, and I mentioned this before, there was some talk before the season began that there's going to be a monster in this episode, in, in this season, that's the, the scariest monster ever, scarier even than the weeping angels and it's in in fact the both oh. jody whittaker and um uh um to tozen cole talked mm -hmm. about how they were at some at certain points genuinely scared for, uh when uh, they see the monster and i thought it was this episode but i'm i, I mean i hope not they're certainly uh, yeah, semi-gruesome but they're not they're, that scary they're not that scary the monsters are no. ugly but they're not terrifying and, to look and, and at frankly they're, the they're cgi like was horrible yes hmm. yeah the they're cgi like, was I, was absolutely horrible there was one scene where it looked like the claymation you know right. yeah, harry hunthausen you know <laughs> it was a little yeah. jerky yeah yeah, uh, yeah it, they they're clearly people in in rubber suits and they look to me i mean they're like low budget aliens from alien and they do the same some of the same stuff with like the mouth goo Right, you you have the alien dripping. They do that here, so it's yeah. a visual callback to Alien, and but they also have this kind of retracted 
uh, flesh around their mouth. So their their mouth sticks out and with big teeth and it looks ugly. Right. And it it's like, OK, guys, this is typical zombie makeup from the 80s or 90s. Right. Mm hmm. Well, it was another callback to Alien, right? Because that also had the mouth projecting out thing. There were so many parts of this that were just kind of tropes pulled from other things. It was mm -hmm. not much original. Uh, well, the another trope is the uh, aliens that when we're tracking them move at 37 kilometers per hour. But when we see them on yeah. screen, they shamble like zombies and they and you can outrun exactly. them quite yeah. easily until oh, you, until it, the plot requires them to catch up. And another visual callback is we have people looking at monitors that show the little icons for here's yep. where all of the aliens are versus where you are. And it's right. like, OK, that's straight out of Alien. Right. And, and the, the, they're changing colors as they die. Type right. The as alien. the humans die or, or the uh, the guests. And we get that. The guests are getting eaten one by one. Uh, Graham stumbles upon a mechanic named uh, Nevi and his son. Silas, Silas, uh, and yep. we have it's a the typical trope of the the progeny the the uh, not progeny the uh, Pro, the uh, prodigy. Pro, yeah, the yeah. son is a prodigy. There, so Nevi is an engineer, and his son is a better engineer. So we've right. got the child yeah. showing up the father trope, right? And it's, father's it's, kind of a kind of a stoner dude type, right? Yeah. And it's a classic. Who's the who's the kid from the fourth Doctor time? Uh, the mathematician with the star, Ad Adric. Adric, yeah, Adric. a little bit, a <laughs> little Adric, a little bit of a, uh, a little more uh, likable Will than Adric, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but but again, I, I, it's... I like I, I like the fact they had green hair. That was a nice touch. Right. And and later on, there's a, a nice bit where they have these. They're wearing these oxygen tanks on their arms that glow green if it's got enough oxygen. And right. maybe at one point, get uh, Silas says, "How's your oxygen?" It's like, "Oh, green is the hair on our heads." <laughs> right, that right. was fun. Uh, but this is again. I go back to my 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 earlier complaint about this is we have this interesting situation. They kind of tell us a little bit about them. So he's apparently a dad who's not with the mom, and the son usually lives with the mom. But he left with the mom to be with the dad, and we get like this hint of a of a story of a character here. Right. But nothing. Mm -hmm. They never do anything with it. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. wasted. Uh, it, it's again, you know, it's so it's so it's really strange. Um, I, I I do like the tools that they mention. Yeah. The names of the tools. Yep. The dad says, "Hand me a snap hammer," and <laughs> right. the kid says, "Oh, you'll do better with a crash wrench." And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like those are great names for tools. I'm going to snap hammers are. and crash wrenches. That's I'm great. Although my hammer I was surprised hammer. it's it's England. So why isn't it a snap span or a crash spanner? But whatever. Well, that's a good point. Good point. Uh, <laughs> uh, the doctor uh, tells the uh, Kane at one point. Uh, she asked for some some uh, supplies in order to rebuild an ionic membrane, which is the shield that keeps the the uh, alien monsters out of the spa. And, and, and that's actually something the doctor latches onto. And she's like, why do you have an ionic membrane to defend a spa? This is apparent. Right. And I like that was OK in the writing that communicated yep. effectively to us without a lot of exposition. Right. This is not something a normal spa would have. Right. It right. filters out unapproved life forms. Uh, it was is how it was described. She does say, "Hey, if I had a, if I had crayons and half a can of spam, I could build you from scratch." <laughs> which was yeah. which is <laughs> that was a pretty good line actually. I got to say. Mm -hmm. uh, so as you mentioned, the spa is built inside a dome on a planet which is uh, hostile to life, and uh, th we do have another nice Graham moment where they they have the the uh, holographic walls you know, the void yep. panels, they call them. 
and Graham like walks right into it and he's holding his head like, I think I had a stroke. I mean, my head, <laughs> he's going to yeah. bump on his head. Did I have a stroke? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I also like during the alien invasion of the spa sequence, you you have all these announcements coming over the intercom in the right. de rigueur pleasant voice. It's like, please relax and leave immediately. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Welcome <laughs> to the Tranquility hear- Steam Room. Please leave if- immediately. Uh, yeah, I like the, if you can hear this announcement, you're not supposed to be here. Run. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. So uh, they, uh, the vacation hotel, they find out, they have to go. Uh, let's see, there's what the, the, that elderly fellow, I have to kind of backtrack a little bit. The elderly fellow who is Benny. getting engaged with the with the oxygen tank, Benny, has been taken by the aliens instead of eaten like the rest of the, the group for, for some reason. And they have to go outside the dome to go save him. Kane doesn't want to go. He's like, I'll oh, write him off. He's He's dead anyway. The doctor says, no, no, we have to go. So they get in a well, truck. And, and they're trying to be clever here because yeah. Kane says there's not enough oxygen outside. He's dead. And then his wife, whose name is either Wilma or Vilma, I couldn't Vilma. quite tell, yeah. um, says he's got an oxygen tank. So that's right. the relevant. So he's got the oxygen tank to keep him alive. So that takes away Kane's excuse to not go after him. Right. And so, so then they get in arc two. Yeah. <laughs> and just like in the movie Aliens, they get in arc two and they start heading out to find well, him and they take everybody, even though Kane knows this is a dangerous predator filled zone. These aliens are called the dregs. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is a dead giveaway for what they are. Right. You know, you know, these things are going to this is the dregs of humanity. These yep. are going to be humans that have mutated. And uh, and they even take Silas, the little boy, into the alien-filled zone, which, of course, I guess they kind of did in Aliens 2, or in Aliens, <laughs> <Right>. um, but <laughs> well, uh, that didn't me, work out so well in that movie either. Let me get. Let me see if you, if you recognize this premise as I give it to you. The Doctor gets inside this vehicle that travels across an alien landscape that is toxic to life, and it breaks down, and they can't leave it because there's aliens outside who want to kill them. Huh. What does that sound like? Have we heard that uh, one before? I don't know, but I think I woke up at midnight thinking about that once. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I, I stopped the, the 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 show. I was watching it on the on the you know on the, the DVR, and I said to my to my wife Melanie, I said, "This is totally a ripoff of Midnight, but not as good." Uh, mm-hmm. So just like Planet of the Dead, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. The planet has become too toxic for life. The doctor explains what it means for it to be all orphan fifty five. It's uninhabitable. Climate change, blah, blah, blah. The ruling elite get to leave and sign off all responsibility for the dregs that are left behind, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I did like the visual desolate landscape outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Although there were some nice green look, trees. I, I, well, I mean, <laughs> they color corrected it to look more gray, but yeah. it's I, yeah. I thought it looked OK. Um, you know, it was a nice it was visually nice. I thought it very much Prometheus-y. Yeah, we do get um, Ryan continues to chat up the uh, the young woman, Bella, that he uh, met uh, badly. I have to say, Ryan does mm-hmm. not do well at this, <laughs> but she seems responsive nonetheless. So good for Ryan, uh, unfortunately, because this obviously is not going to end well. And uh, the drags set up a trap. They they have uh, Benny now outside of the broken down uh, tr- truck. And he says, he says, I have two questions for Vilma, his his his. Uh, lady friend um first question is will you marry me and of course, oh, of course i will and my second question is will you kill me now please and which is really wow 
That's yeah, a yeah. dark that's moment. That's also out of a deleted scene in Aliens, where in Alien, where Ripley kills Dallas, who's been uh, trussed mm. up by the alien. Um, right. But the thing is, we don't ever see no. Benny. In right. his, we have no reason why he would want to die. I mean, for all we know, he's sipping tea with the drags. Um, yeah. We have no visual indication that anything at all is wrong with him. And that's true throughout the episode. We have all these people dying, apparently. We never see the consequences. Yes, it's one see. of the things that seriously undercuts the drama of this. Because yes. if, we, if we're just told people are dying off screen conveniently, come on, we need to see some of this. I mean, the closest we see is one guy who's crawling on his hands and knees trying to get away, and then he's dragged back, you know, that classic where... You know, right. He's crawling, yeah. get away, and then gets drugged back in by the alien. You know, right. it's like, okay. So, uh, and the and the dregs apparently are smarter than we think at first because they had set a trap for the truck. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. it was, one of, mm-hmm. why they, the truck gets stopped. Uh, they have to abandon the truck, and uh, even though they're completely surrounded by the dregs, they manage to hop out a hatch on the bottom and run for a maintenance hatch in a tunnel nearby, which Kane is going to let them go, and she's going to sacrifice herself to let them go, and the doctor doesn't let her which is a good thing because when they get to the hatch it's got a code that they have to punch in yeah. to get in so it, unless they had the code oh the doctor could have mm-hmm. sonic did i suppose but then they climb down and leave the hatch open yeah because, <laughs> also on the way to the hatch vilma is being an idiot and right. is like calling out for benny which is just going to attract the dregs attention and yes puts her hand over Vilma's mouth to stop her from doing this mm-hmm. is like, wow, that's a little aggressive for oh, Doctor uh, Who. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd do it, but well, yeah. sure, but uh, <laughs> also, also, then Kane shows up and says, Oh, by the way, I killed Benny off screen and you didn't even hear a gunshot. So, yeah, how I took care of him. Death was that. Well, in fact, it was very cold. It was like, Well, Benny, did you see Benny? Oh, yeah, I took care of him. Uh, I shot him like he asked, like just very cold, very matter of fact. I mean, there's a little bit of a later on someone says something, but not much here. And mm-hmm. so it's really cold. So we get down and then we get the twist, the big twist. It turns out that the person who is behind the uh, the hopper virus and letting the dregs get into the dome is is this Bella who claims to be Kane's daughter, which the big right. the big trick on us, the audience, is that both Kane and Bella, the actress actresses playing these two characters are of different races. They don't look at all alike. Right. And so even, even apart from being different races, they don't look anything alike. Right. Right. There's, there's just no sense that they're, that they could possibly be related, but you know, so haha, the the jokes on us. Uh, but, um, we get this really thin justification that Bella is mad at her mother for having abandoned her and her terminally ill father. And, you know, and leaving them behind. And well, so he, w- he wasn't terminally ill, I don't think, early on. But no, she says, right. when I was about Silas's age, my mom, quote unquote, died. And by that, right. she means my parents Left. separated and she right. never came to any of my birthday parties. And her other horrendous sin is she named me Trixabella. Right. And that mm. means I'm going to commit mass murder and kill everyone in the spa to get back at her. Yep. I mean, yeah. just it's just a bizarre like thin like she she's not they don't try to establish that she's mentally ill or anything like that it's just this is right. her justification she built bombs 
and, and <laughs> multiple bombs right. and also Kane is not a sympathetic character at all. Right. Mm. Um, the I mean, Kane is like, oh, sorry, there's not enough oxygen out there. He'll be dead before we can get him. And Kane is like resisting at every step. And both Kane and Bella are like really unsympathetic people. Right. Yeah. The, and, and which means I don't I don't feel like I'm on one side or the other in this. And, and I'm left yeah. as the audience going, I don't really care. Like, I, I just don't care about either of these yeah. people. I just want I the doctor and people to escape. Yeah. And so, uh, so Bella get, you know, at gunpoint tells Kane to tell her where the maintenance teleport is so she can get back into the uh, spa quicker than everyone else. Um, and uh, as the dregs approach, Ryan, you know, grabs her and teleports out, bef- you know, quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why the others don't also use the maintenance yeah, I, teleport. I think he said it I only thought- have one, sh- it only had enough power for one use, you know, oh, kind okay. of the old. I, I, my sense was it had enough power for one use, but we're all going to go together. And then Ryan triggered it early, taking Bella right. with him. And now the others have to go through the tunnels, including a drag nest, because of course they do. But of course. Yep. But uh, meanwhile, as they're going through the tunnels, the doctor finds a, a sign on the wall in Russian, uh, which is the clear indication. And she tries to hide it from from Graham and Yaz for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. But they insist on her telling them what it is. And she says, it says Novosibirsk, which is a city in Russia, in Siberia. And so they realize this is H.G. Wells, the time machine with the Eloys and the Molochs and the dregs of the mm-hmm. Molochs and so yeah, on and so it, forth. It, it's, it's also beneath the planet of the apes where they find an underground <laughs> yep. subway system right. that shows them that they're in England and right. thus on Earth. And, and, that, and so we or need Charlton Heston falling to his knees and yelling, they've destroyed it all, damn them, or something <laughs> along those lines. Now, at this point, I thought they were going to do something maybe interesting and tie this into Gallifrey. Because yeah. the doctor has just found out that her planet has been decimated and now Earth has been decimated uh, for the for the companions. And I thought they were going to build on that, but they don't. Yes. Um, also, and this gets into we'll talk about this at the end when we talk about the end of the episode. But this is not unprecedented on Doctor Who. There have been many stories that have dealt with the fact that at some point in the future, Earth becomes uninhabitable, probably multiple times, and then it gets rebuilt. And people come back from the colonies and recolonize it and stuff. What I thought they would do that would be interesting is say, we've got a problem now because now there's this alternate humanity-derived species out there, the dregs, and they need to breathe carbon monoxide. They can't have a normal oxygen atmosphere anymore. And so right. that means if you terraform, you're going to kill all the drags. Right. We don't get that. And we yeah. don't get that. Nope. Uh, so it, instead, what we get is the first of several climate change lectures from the doctor, some preaching. Uh, mm-hmm. And certainly not even the worst one yet. <laughs> Still to come. Nope. Uh, as they go through the, the drag nest, the doctor has used up her auction because she, she doesn't stop talking. And so she uses up her auction faster than anybody else. That was a fair point. I like yeah. that. Yep. that yeah, was yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Also, um, she one thing, even though she's been talking a bunch, she has not been gun lecturing, which is she, interesting because people are toting around guns oh, to deal she did. with the dregs. Early on to Vorm, she uh, yells at him for shooting at the dregs in the spa instead of, you know, I don't know, talking. To yeah, them. but that goes out the window pretty quick as they're yeah, under threat. Yeah. And she stops she stops lecturing about guns or other lethal means of dealing with the dregs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. 
So the she she they end up having to go through a dragged nest. They apparently sleep standing up, and she and she has to do a mind meld with one of the drags to discover that they are actually uh, were humans. Uh, I guess we there's a uh, uh, um, what is it called a species memory like a a, a trans uh, like a yeah what, a generational, generational memory, memory. Generational, generational memory that she accesses or something. Uh, but it's the second sort of uh, tele- telepathic well episode in a row. So Jodie Whittaker's doctor is now the most telepathic doctor ever because she's right. done four telepathies in two episodes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, in- interesting uh, that they've decided to go this direction with it. Um, also, she discovers when she just before she does the mind meld with the drag, she discovers the drag is breathing out oxygen. So they're like. Yep. Plants. They take in CO two. <laughs> yeah. They breathe out O two. Or as she and, puts it, very angry she, trees. <laughs> what, what's that? They're they're essentially very angry trees. <laughs> yeah, and, but it recharges her oxygen supply. Yes. Uh. So. Uh. Meanwhile, uh, Silas. Uh, Silas. Well, they they get back to the security office. Silas, oh, by, the boy. By gets, the way, by this yeah. by this point, Vilma has self sacrificed off screen. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. Kane has self sacrificed off screen. As so far two, as we know, two people charged to their deaths, and we didn't see any of that. Right. Well, as Kane, as far as we know, uh, Silas takes off. Well, they get back to the security office, and they're trying to get everything back online. They're trying to get the teleports back online so they can get out of there. Um, uh, Nevi, I'm trying to remember all these names. Nevi uh, is 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 complaining he doesn't know how to fix it. Silas is trying to tell his dad, "This is what you got to do to fix it," and doesn't get listened to. So he does the immature child thing and runs off into danger. Yep. So uh, because it's a trope. So the doctor and Bella go to find him. Graham is helping Nevi fix the teleport. And Ryan and Yaz are trying to barricade the breach in the wall in the spa using uh, lounge chairs, which doesn't seem Mm -hmm. to be very effective. Yeah, I just have in my notes action sequence starts, which means (laughs) nothing is going to advance the plot till this is over. Right. Yep. So the doctor and Bella, they managed to lure the drag alpha male into the security room and talk to it because the doctor can talk to things and apparently it understands. And they, and they, they basically come up with this bargain where you, you're, you're stuck in here. You need our carbon dioxide and we need your oxygen. So we're going to swap places in the security cage and escape. Why? Why? Why don't we all just stand around each other? Why does the Dreg want to get in the security cage after he's let the doctor and, and, uh, and Bella out? Well, because they won't open the outer door until he does. He's stuck Why in there with them. Why does he want the outer door open if he needs their oxygen? Uh, well, he eventually was is going to want to get out of the out of the office, right? I mean, that's mm. he's not going to want to live in there forever, so he's going to okay. want them to open that door and not be a prisoner in there, I guess. I- but if he needs their oxygen that bad, why doesn't he? Why don't it's like I should follow you out and we're buddies now because we have a mm-hmm. mutual breathing ecosystem <laughs> developed. Well, that would that would fit in with the uh, climate change uh, discussion here. Anyway, uh, the here in my notes I write. Okay, at this point the plot is a huge mess, and it's mainly just everyone running around through quarters. Um, mm-hmm. They get to the teleport working through, you know, whatever uh, hand oh, wavium. The, and the kid yeah. is, the, of course, yes. the one to do it because the kid has to show up, Dad. It's the dumb dad mm-hmm. trope. Yes. Um, also, Ryan and Yaz use one of Bella's bombs 
to totally blow up a bunch of dregs. I mean, right. in fact, the whole, like, almost the whole place. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like where's the where's the bomb lecturing doctor? Come on, exactly. <laughs> Surely there was a better solution than use the bomb to blow up the dregs. And and it's of course, like she likes explosive devices better than guns for some <laughs> yeah, reason. Yeah, because they're indiscriminate in who they kill. Right. So uh, it it so um of course the Hopper virus comes into play because it. The hopper yep. virus, for some reason, converts the, the bad fuel into the good fuel that powers the teleport. Um, there's too many people for the teleport to operate properly. So Bella decides to stay behind because she's responsible for this. And just as she's about to die, Kane shows up again. Her mom comes and they're going to die together. Uh, or and, maybe not die together. Or maybe not. We don't see it either way. Right. Yep. So our gang uh, manages to teleport back to the TARDIS. At which point the doctor immediately engages the TARDIS and goes back to the spa a second after they left and rescues. Can't, wait, no, that didn't actually happen. Oh, no, happen, that didn't did happen, nope. did it? Uh, yeah. No, uh, for some reason, they don't. They stand around instead, and the doctor lectures us about how this is one possible future and one possible timeline. So now we do multiple timelines with the doctor, apparently. And, Which is new. This is not yeah. the way we've had the great disaster explained to us in the future. Right. We, no. If you're you're this is a potential serious change to the dramatic structure of the show. Yes. Because if every time we go into the future, it's just one possible future that significantly undercuts the drama and oh, the right. ongoing narrative of the story where we have a basic understanding of the future history of the universe. Right. So now we're we're in back to the future, not Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and but this is so that we can have a long, very direct lecture on climate change uh, that's extremely preaching. Now, look, I, if if people are very concerned about climate change or people want to, I'm not talking about being a climate change denier or acceptor. I, right. I just however you feel about this. No, 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 no. If you're going to say denier, which yeah. is pejorative because it assumes it's true. Yeah. Then you need to right. assume the reverse. A climate change. The opposite of a climate change denier is a climate change dupe. OK. Because right. yes. that's okay. their, their parallel sure. insulting terms. Sure. Let's. Yeah. But whichever way you fall on this spectrum, you have to realize. And I've heard so, several fans online talking about this. This is extremely preachy. This is this yeah. is a bit. This is, in fact, over the top preachy. They they, yeah. they basically took you know, as as we're talking about different tropes they pulled off. They basically took Al Gore's inconvenient truth <laughs> and stuffed it in the last five minutes of this episode. Uh, right, because and this is why we we've changed the dramatic structure of the universe uh, so that we could say we can change the future that we're doomed to to fall into this orphan fifty five future where we've destroyed our our, our environment and, and and so the future can be changed just so the doctor can say that. And and we get and she lectures the the companions about this. I'm not sure what they're going to do about it, but you know that she lectures them. Well, she's she's they're the they're just the faces that are there to justify her lecturing the audience, right? Because yeah. that's and even I mean I I went on uh, yesterday I went on YouTube and looked for the instant reviews of this that fans were doing. Yeah. And I did not look at any of the channels that I knew would hate it, like Nerd Rotting. Mm -hmm. I was like, for, I know what he's going to say. Forget right. him. He's right. just toxic. Right. But I, I went down, starting at the top, I looked at six videos with seven reviewers in them. All of them were like, well, I don't really think this is that political a show, despite the criticism, or I actually agree with the global warming message, but every single one of them said this was too on the nose. Right. That this yeah. was bad, it was badly handled, 
And even if they were in favor of the message or didn't think the show was overly political these days, they saw this as a serious misstep. Yeah. Every one of them. And most of them used the phrase on the nose, which was the phrase yeah. I had in my notes. This is way on the nose. Well, this, this what they do. What what they do is she's lecturing the audience and it's be the mm -hmm. best of humanity as if, you know, clearly she's not talking to the fam because that's three people. Right. Right. You know, they're not going to change the future uh, with three people. They're not going to stop global warming. And so she's clearly talking to the audience and she says, be the best of humanity or. And then we cut to a shot of a drag screaming. So right, that's right. the alternative if we, the audience, are not. Because the fam doesn't see the drag screaming. It's just the audience. Yeah. So clearly we're lecturing the audience. This is a fundamental misunderstanding of how science fiction cautionary tales work. In mm -hmm. a science fiction cautionary tale, yes, you show how some trend could go horribly wrong if we don't watch it. And that's fine. But you do not directly preach to the audience about it. No. Well, it's this entire episode. The entire 45-minute episode was written for that speech. Yeah. They yeah. basically took that speech and wrote an episode around it. And, you know, it, it's funny because one of my complaints again, against a lot of so-called Christian fiction mm -hmm. is that's exactly what they do. Right. They do the yeah. same exact thing. Uh, Mark, um, Mark Twain is famous for having said fiction must never overtly preach, but always covertly preach. And here they right. forget Mark Twain's lesson. They start overtly preaching. Yeah. So interesting. This episode was written by Ed Heim, who is also the writer of It Takes You Away uh, from mm. la last season, which, which was, was the, one of the best. Right. Yeah, that was that was a good episode. Uh, so it's just they, they you know, the producers, uh, you know, whether it was. Ed Heim or, uh, or Chris Chibnall or whoever decided we need to do a climate change episode. I mean, that's really how it how it, uh, mm -hmm. it comes comes to me because everything about the else about this episode is just paint by numbers. It's it's messy. It's it's obviously pulling from tropes, and it's all looks looks to me like it was all just built to to to, to get to this scene. I mean, we've had yeah. pl plenty of scenes of the doctor in this grand speech uh you know and some really good ones i think i mean yeah. you guys had different opinions but i've thought of some some good ones that in the capaldi's time and tenant's time and matt smith's time but this one is just like th this this is way over the top in the uh, in the wrong direction and i just uh, well I, and they they break the fourth wall at the end by showing the mm -hmm. audience part of the doctor's message with right. the screaming drag that the companions right. never see so they're breaking the fourth wall to lecture us yes this you know, is well, very I, very different than like the ecological disaster things we've seen before on Doctor Who, like the Green yeah. Death right. or something back in, in John Pertwee's time. Well, it's I, uh, you know, of course, having grown up in the 80s, I'm sure, Dom, you, you, Jimmy, both feel the same way. I have expected to hear the, the fam go. And now we know. And Dr. Yeah. Yeah, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Captain Planet. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, or I mean, we have you. Julia. We've seen, uh, you know, the 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 uh, climate or you know saving the environment stuff before. What was the one with the uh, the uh, in Martha Jones time where the exhaust, you know, the things were generating? Oh the yeah, they're in the underworld uh, subways. Yeah. In no, no, New, no, New, 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 New York. No, no, not that one. Uh, the other one where uh, 
the oh. the Suntarans. <laughs> oh, the Suntarans. The Poison Sky. Poison Sky. Yes, the two part. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but again, but you're right. I mean, this is we've seen this, you know, this sort of messaging multiple times. Those times, at least, it was in the service of a bigger story that was st- mm-hmm. still entertaining, still had plenty that, that was good about it. This one, it just it started off okay and just descended. I mean, this is uh, this is one of the one of this is the worst of the of so far of the thirteenth Doctor, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and one of the worst in a long time let's, since maybe the Moon Egg. I, I tried to watch this episode twice. Mm-hmm. I got about halfway Brave through the soul. second watching, and that will be the last time I watch this episode. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It just it, there's so many holes, so much that just it doesn't work, and then you, the the cherry on top is is this preaching at the end. Uh, I mean, even without this preaching at the end, this was not a good episode. It but. This, no. this preaching is, mm-hmm. and the is, sad part is, I think if we sat down the three of us for an hour, could have made an episode that said the same thing, that was a thousand times better. Yeah. Oh yeah. And none of us, and Jimmy's about the only like professional writer of the three of us. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> so, uh, well, not it, typically fiction, though. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So um, I do want to wrap up because we got some great feedback. So we, we want to oh, finish yeah, on a high nice. note. Let's get to that. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, any last thoughts on this episode from either of you? Anything left to mm. say? Um, Good riddance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Rest in peace. All right. Let's get to our feedback, which is uh, from our from our listeners, which we really appreciate. Uh, the first bit of feedback is on our episode 155, our Big Finish discussion of the, the Big Finish audio drama Live 34. From our friend Bennett Gillespie on Facebook, who's uh, from uh, Great Britain. And he said, this first comment, he said, I have a lot of cognitive dissonance uh, on this episode for him. And I wasn't sure what it meant. But, Jimmy, you responded to him. You, I think you picked up on what that was about, his yeah. cognitive dissonance. Well, and it, it's something I, I had wondered about when we recorded Live 34, because it plays with themes from recent British history that are pretty delicate. Um, because you have, um, you have the doctor playing the head of a political party that is accused right. of being a front for a terrorist organization. Right. And, and that is an analog for Jerry Adams. Jerry Adams mm-hmm. is an Irish politician who was the head of Sinn Féin during the troubles. And people would accuse Sinn Féin of just being a front for the Irish Republican army. You then had Ace as the rebel queen, as the effective head of an Irish Republican army like uh, organization. But in Great Britain, Sinn Féin and the Irish Republican army were perceived as the bad guys. But the doctor and Ace are clearly the good guys. And so this this is going to send off weird cognitive dissonance for people. Um, Mm -hmm. And. And so I wondered how Bennett and other folks from the UK would uh, would respond to this. Um, I could easily see people saying, you know, it's not my cup of tea on. Mm-hmm. I can also see people saying this and and I tend in this direction, but I understand how people, you know, their mileage may vary. I find it interesting to have stories like this with that kind of dissonance in them because it invites us. I mean, so much of what ev- both sides in a conflict say is propaganda, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, at certain like here in America, I don't trust either Republicans or Democrats. Right. It, yeah. I mean, exactly. I have I have political opinions, but in terms of party behavior, both sides spew lots of propaganda and distort the truth. 
And having an episode or a story like this that recasts things in a way that invites us to think how much of my perceptions are based on propaganda versus reality. And it's not entirely comfortable, but that also makes it more interesting um, and more textured as a story, because the truth is neither side is pure villainry. There are always people with a mix of good and bad on both sides of a conflict. It also challenges us to be cautious that when we see situations in life that are that uh, on the surface appear similar to other things we've experienced, not to apply it as a template necessarily, because while it may appear to be similar, it may not be the same thing. So while there's a surface appearance between, say, what happens in Live 34 and the the troubles, it mm-hmm. was it wasn't the same situation. It, it was different. And right, p- right. applying a template would have been a bad thing to do. And it also serves as a cautionary tale for, you know, because th- there are things in Live 34 that are more extreme than anything that happened in the Troubles. I mean, yes. right, using people for fuel is not right. what happened in the Troubles <laughs> and true. not in any literal way. And mm. so it it also, though, does serve as a cautionary tale of we need to look out for situations that crop up repeatedly in history and that can crop up again. And we right. need to be on our guard against those. And, and Bennett came back and essentially confirmed that, uh, and he and I had a very nice exchange on Facebook, uh, but he essentially right. confirmed that, yeah, that's what the source of the cognitive dissonance for him was. Yeah. It's very good comment. Uh, so if you get a chance to, to be on our uh, secrets of Dr. Who Facebook page, uh, you know, check it out. This mm-hmm. we have good conversations with the uh, listeners there and good conversations yes, among listeners so uh definitely check it out so we have some feedback on our skyfall episode from last week and uh we have the first one is from brian roberts on facebook who lets us know that of course lenny henry who played the the big baddie uh uh one of the two big baddies uh, on that episode he's played the doctor before in the 80s uh they had he had a show called the lenny henry show which apparently was like a sketch show or variety show Mm -hmm. and they had colin baker regenerate into him for a sketch and so, uh, he, he, so he's the alternate seventh doctor yes uh and it was uh i watched it it's on youtube uh, the, the and i'll try to get the link into the show notes but uh it was it was humorous it played with some of the uh the tropes of the time yeah and, and that sort of thing um and then he, he he informs us that american listeners may not know how much of a national treasure lenny henry is i always look forward to the lenny henry show when i was a teenager and mm. he became really popular with the kids in the late 70s and early 80s on the same Saturday morning kids show that launched Sylvester McCoy's career. So mm-hmm. uh, very interesting. I we, liked him better he, as the doctor than as the bad guy, Bill Gates in this. <laughs> yeah. he, he definitely played the very dislikable rich guy. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, uh, and then Emma Croik uh, on Facebook writes, uh, around the uh, hour and 25 minute mark, you discussed the mind wipe of Ada in Noor. You mentioned the predestination paradox and that a brain wipe was not needed to get out of this situation. But I believe this is mildly in in contradiction to your feelings of last year. She says, Mm -hmm. I remember when you discussed Rosa last season, you expressed annoyance at historical episodes where the doctor is the reason for the success or ideas or importance of historical figures. Like he's the one he he leaves a, a, a hint and that causes the historical person to come up with whatever their great idea was in, right. in actual history. Uh, and we're pleased that they avoided this issue with Rosa, allowing her to stay the hero of her own tale. In essence, if the doctor is the reason for a historical figure's fame, 
That was not ideal, in your opinions. I believe you mentioned the Shakespeare Code and Unicorn and the Wasp, where Donna, Martha, and the Doctor were basically made responsible for Agatha Christie's and Shakespeare's best ideas, and were annoyed at that. Um, in my opinion, if the writers had not chosen the mind wipe option, the same annoyance would occur. It would have made, as you suggest, a predestination paradox, meaning that Ada Lovelace, at least in her universe, universe is less impressive than she used to be. So to me, the mind wipe seemed the best option for the writers to take. I appreciate that. I think for me, the ideal solution would be another one because I, I, I don't mind it if there's like an occasional hint that influences like, oh, I hadn't thought of that as a possible play I could write. Thank you. You right. know, I mean, right. I don't mind it that occasionally when they do it relentlessly. Yeah, I think it's a problem, um, which I think they kind of did with Shakespeare. Shakespeare um, was bad for that. Yeah. 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 But the uh, what I would have done is just blow past it. Right. Here. I didn't like the casual mind wiping well, because it sets a bad precedent for right. the future. And I would have just ignored the fact and not dealt with it. No, I wouldn't have said it was a predestination paradox. I mentioned they could have done that if they needed an on-screen explanation, but I didn't think they needed an on-screen explanation. Just tighten a couple of lines of dialogue and ignore it. And because the doctor hasn't, I, I think they could have handled it without, without it being a problem. My main objection was how casually she overrode their objections. That's really, yeah. they were, they were like, she forced herself on them in a sense well, to, and it was, to wipe it their was, mind. It, it was really shocking, of course, when he did that to Donna, because he had to, as part of the, you know, keeping her from oh, dying, I, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, and that was, and that was that, I mean, that was shocking and rightfully so. But then, yeah, she just kind of goes, oh yeah, I'm going to wipe both your memories. Poof, you're gone. Yeah, and it's that's really manipulative of another person, and it kind of cheapens what happened with Donna mm -hmm. to just have that yeah. casually. And are they going to be doing that from now on every time they meet a historical figure? or Because it, it's going to get old fast. I mean, well, it got old right. doing it twice in one episode. Yeah. And frankly, how much of what Ada Lovelace saw could she translate into... Her, what she could do in 1834. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, that right. so it, it was unnecessary. You, you got a glimpse of a cell phone. That doesn't mean you can build one in 1834. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Or great programming. She, I mean, it, the, at most she would know it can be done, but the doctor has left people with, with knowledge equivalent to that plenty of times in the past. So it was like you said, Jimmy, it wasn't necessary. Uh, and then finally, Kelly Brown writes on Facebook. I really enjoyed these episodes. After a not-so-spectacular last season, I was pleasantly surprised with this one. I was also surprised how quickly they brought back the Master. I mm. love this Master. He's a delight to watch. The actor really is embodying the essence of the character. I watched both episodes again after knowing who O really was, and I saw small hints of where the Master comes through, such as when he's talking to Graham about his research on the Doctor and tempts Graham to look at it. Also, yep. was I the only one who noticed that the Master as O was slightly flirty with Yaz? Even after the reveal in the plane, the doctor says something like, stick with me, Yaz. It's the true. master says that. Yeah. 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 Sorry, he, the master. He's yep. clearly flirty with Yaz. Yes. Yep. You know, uh, I, I, one thing I, I think I, I can't remember if I had mentioned it or not, but I love how the master made his name O just so that actually I think I mentioned it to, to Jimmy in, in person, mm -hmm. but right. how the master made sure his name was O in MI6. Just so when he had that reveal to the doctor, she would go, oh, <laughs> and, I mean, and that is such a master thing. 
It <laughs> is, and then he he turns it or she turns it around on him because at the end, when he's when she plays the recording of his evil yep. plot for the light bulb aliens, the master's like, oh, and the doctor <laughs> says, "That's your name. Don't wear it out." <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That's the. Uh... Hopefully, yes, we'll get more of that kind of uh, story this season than the than the one we've just talked about. Yeah. Uh, By the way, I want to want to clarify something uh, from earlier in the episode where we were talking about climate change and terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't prefer either climate change denier or climate change dupe. I okay, prefer no. neutral terms that right. respect both positions. I would I would probably go with climate change skeptics and climate change believers or climate change affirmers or something like that. Yeah. I like neutral terms that respect other people's positions, and that's why I don't like climate change denier right. because it's okay. uh, denier is a factitious uh, or a factive term that presupposes the truth of the alternative position. And it comes across to people who are climate change skeptics as just as insulting as if someone called you a climate change dupe. Right. right. Okay. That's that's fair. And that's a good that's a good clarification. Uh, I'm going to try to remember to do that myself. All right. So uh, as we wrap things up, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Doctor Who, including Ben B., Christopher M., Dean S., Brent W., and Richard V. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of Orphan 55? Maybe you had a different opinion than we did. Uh, or you want to join in <laughs> with what we had to say. Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the, the next new episode, enticingly called Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, this zone of tranquility is compromised. If you can hear this message, you shouldn't be here. Leave immediately. <laughs>